laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? We should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode. I don't want to upset people. I want them all to like me. I want everybody to like me. But I just have interest in the dark stuff. Like, I just find it... That's just my more my sense of humor. I mean, fucked up jokes are also pretty mainstream. Like, I mean, you know, let's say Deadpool. But, like, let's say before that, like, Seth Rogen movies and stuff. Like, they, they did, like, you know, dark jokes and... and uh, rated rated R jokes, and that's just my that's just my sense of humor. So I kind of go into it being like, I want to make myself laugh, but I also want everybody to like me. Hey, this is David from You Can't Laugh at That. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, and if you found value in any of the episodes, or If you've laughed even once, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. Now, these conversations we have with all these awesome comedians typically last about two hours. So there's so much footage we have to cut from every single episode and we hate that we have to cut it and we don't want it to disappear into the ether, which is why we edit it together into exclusive clips. Some episodes, they're... 15 minutes, a half hour of extra footage. Other episodes, it's a little bit shorter. Either way, if you enjoy listening to You Can't Laugh at That, join our Patreon for exclusive access. And thanks for listening to our podcast and supporting comedy because no matter how weird times get, remember that you can laugh at that. Welcome to You Can't Laugh at That. This is the podcast where we take topics that you can't laugh at and we find ways to laugh at them in the never-ending quest to prove that anything can be funny. Joining us today is... As always. (laughs) (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth. I did. As as always... That uh, the, the soothing sound of that uh, that timber is Steve Mers. Steve, mm. how is your weekend going so far? Really well. <laughs> you said I had timber, so I had to have some timber. Yeah, the, the rest <laughs> of the episode, see if you can maintain commitment to that bit. <laughs> Too late, I already broke character. Yeah. And we, and we may even get into talking about commitment uh, because our next comi- or our guest uh, today, our next comic coming to the stage. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm very funny up. guy. Oh. <laughs> right after I talked about how I hate doing uh, virtual shows. <laughs> Give a warm, you can't laugh at that. Welcome to Martin Urbano. Oh, hold my five drinks. I got to go up. Pretend I'm sober. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for jumping on the show. Um, Martin is a New York City-based comedian, originally from Texas, which I just found out that is not in your bio. I, I wanted more details. Uh, it's not. You, you only be. just listed your credits, which include uh, the 2017 sense. New Faces on Just for Laughs. It's been on Kimmel, Comedy Central, and the 2019 Vulture Comics to Watch uh, in the year 2020, which went well for you. I, I, 
the year 2020 um, was actually a pretty hard year for me and for me alone. Um, <laughs> but you know, somehow I made it through, and I'm stronger than ever. He's also he's got a podcast. What it, would you call it a podcast, or would you call it a a show? At the moment. Uh, it's just a, a virtual show that I am currently on hiatus on, actually, if, if, uh, if you can believe, for all of March. Coming back in April, I did 34 weeks straight of a, a virtual Twitch show called Who Wants $2.69 with Martin Urbano um, on the Planet Scum Network, which has been uh, my, my main focus. And I'm going to come back stronger, stronger and harder than ever in, in April. New and I- you you kind of touched on that uh, before we started recording, but kind of let's get the plug. I out touched of the way on right all kinds of things before we started recording. Woo! Yeah, we had all- started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had all kinds of quality stuff, and then we started recording, and now it gets weird. <laughs> That's how this goes. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is you made it weird with P Holmes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. <laughs> we, we we call it you made it awkward. <laughs> uh, so it's not to infringe on any copyrights. <laughs> I get sued. Yeah. Right. Right. Pete Holmes is a he's a listener of the show actually. Um, <laughs> so two, uh, who wants who wants two dollars and sixty nine cents? What's what's the concept of that? Um, for legal purposes, I have no idea what this is. But have you heard uh, heard of the show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? It's basically right. like if I did that show, and so all of the questions are a little bit more. You know, the way I see it, it's like it's trivia can be anything. Why can't it be also like some fucked up facts if they're facts? You know, the, mm-hmm. it's, it's truth. It's real. So I like to I like to play around with that. And sometimes we do like weakest link style episodes and I have like mini games, too. It's 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 my version of a game show, a trivia show. Today, we're going to talk about offensive, edgy jokes. Oh, and uh, this is yeah. an ambush. No it is. Now. Didn't see this one coming at all. And, and that's kind of what you do with a lot of your jokes. Uh, the punchline, it's uh it's it's the pulling the rug out. It's the look over here, but this is actually happening uh, kind of delivery style. And I love that. Uh, what were some of your influences when it came to comedy? Like, what do you got started? My biggest influences that have remained my influences would be Steve Martin, Bo Burnham, and Anthony Jeselnik. Uh, Definitely in that in that genre, Sarah Silverman, Daniel Tosh, all of the all of the edgy comedians from that time period yeah. that just really had an impact on me, and it probably screwed me up a little bit early on, like in my gauge of what audiences and the general public like as far as uh, things you things you can joke about and how to joke about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a lot of uh, growing pains that I'm I'm rather embarrassed about, but. Um, those are all the ones that I'm like, I'm, I'm really impressed with them my entire, uh, career. I've been impressed with them. It's kind of a relief for me because, uh, that's kind of like my starting point when I, when I started out, I'm uh, looking back on it. It's very embarrassing, but Hey, that's growth though. If you grow, that's good. If you're not growing, then. Yeah. I started with like more wordplay, like just classic, typical wordplay. And it felt yeah. like when I started, honestly, and it was very recently, I started to shed that a little bit more. And it's like, oh, yeah, this feels a lot more uh, fun, even. More Sometimes a wordplay can get, like, it gets, yeah, yeah, it would get a little stale. Like, I would I would feel myself reciting the jokes like a robot. And I would just be like, I don't want to do this. I want to have a little bit more 
pizzazz, a little more spice. When you talk about, you know, when you first got started and, and, you know, you were kind of struggling through the edgy stuff. Um, how did you like power through bombing? Because a lot of comics will, will come in, you know, head full of steam, ready to take over the scene. And then, and then they bomb a few times and they disappear to the ether forever. Like what, what kept you going? Uh, just like not bombing that much, I guess. Like I, I would do all right. You know, I would do surprisingly all right for the comedy that I have been watching and the ones that, you know, thinking back on it, it's like, okay, it was more than just edgy at first because it was also like, um, Dimitri Martin, Mitch Hedberg, um, <laughs> some some that didn't age as well like uh, Stephen Lynch was like definitely like a huge uh, inspiration on me um, Flight of the Concords and stuff so a little bit uh, uh, sillier but like more you know a very specific type of sense of humor when you're going into South Texas where it's a, a the Latino circuit um, you know it, it's just a different different audience so I'm honestly looking back surprised that it went as well and maybe it's because I was going like a little dirty you know talking about my penis and it's like yeah this little kid talking about his penis on stage like that's fun that's funny um, we can understand that but like to me I was like really I was going for I was going for something completely different um, so I don't know I, people were nicer than I expected them to be and just kept kept doing it I mean I was really also really really passionate about it so like that got me through any, anytime I like bombed, I would like definitely take that as an opportunity to just keep, you know, try again. Like I, I, I was probably now, I think bombing affects me w way more now, even though I do it like, like bombing at this level, it feels like different, you know, like it's like hard to really face that. Although sometimes I get some real stinkers of a set, but yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to get to that level of, um, I was bombing and I would just be like, eh, oh, well, try again. Yeah. Yeah. Now it hurts my feelings. <laughs> was was that a mentality that you started with or did you learn it like talking to other comics or like, no, bombing is actually like, that's how you grow. I listened to a ton of like podcasts and interviews and I, I, I felt very, I felt very much like I had done my homework going into it. Um, I, I was, I kind of knew the basics, you know, people are like, it's going to take 10 years to get good. So I'm like, all right, I just got to fucking do it 10 years, mm -hmm. which is just doesn't make any sense at all. Like, it's like, why <laughs> 10 years? That just is an arbitrary number. They're, yeah. People <laughs> headlining after, after their first time they did it. And, you know, we, we talked about bombing a little bit. Um, you take a lot of risks from what I've seen. On, on stage like you you, you use props um, calculated risks yeah <laughs> like the the hat thing that's super funny um that's one of my faves oh man so let's let's actually watch um i have i sent jeremy both of your clips um the the kimmel and the the comedy central one uh i think we should let's, let's start with with the kimmel clip because you don't really dive too deep into the dark stuff there because obviously it's on ABC versus, you know, being on Comedy Central. There's a different threshold for content. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I'll tell you the, I'll tell you my thought process behind that. Yeah, after please. Yeah, no, be, because I mean, that's my first question. Like, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just really want to talk about myself. Yeah, no, I literally just wrote down that uh, Kimmel hyphen. Why? Uh, <laughs> So uh, let's let's play that clip. When I say the, you say poor. Kill the. 
Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Uh, before I go any further, I do have to mention there was the option to watch my set tonight in 3D, uh, but only one person took me up on that offer, so only one person gets that added viewing experience. So don't put them on just yet. I'll let you know when there's a 3D joke about a hop right out of you. Anyway, folks, uh, my name is I'm Martin cute. Urbano, but you can call me by my street name, Martin Avenue. <laughs> uh, let me just tell you a little bit. I had a bit of a weird day today. I was scared that I got my girlfriend pregnant. Yeah. Uh, but we talked it down. Good news. She's my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Nailed Thank it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. More about Green me. Shot. I'm Mexican. Stay with me. I'm Mexican. I come from a traditional Mexican good. family. My dad is a migrant <laughs> worker and my mom is a Virgin Mary candle. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> my parents, they both live in America now, but they still go all out to celebrate every Mexican holiday. You know, Day of the Dead, Cinco de Mayo, Payday, just all of the... Mmm. <laughs> I'm actually Indian. <laughs> Just had those Mexican jokes I wanted to say. <laughs> My mom was born in India. Uh, sorry, didn't mean to offend. Uh, she was born in Native America. <laughs> now I'm just white. I'm Italian. <laughs> Don't I look like I could be something? <laughs> Yeah, he's white. Woo! I feel like some of you are having trouble believing me now. Uh, I am Italian. I can prove it to you. I do speak a little Italian. Um, I'm a Mexican. So, <laughs> no, really, guys. Oh. I'm Mexican. No more questions. Huh? More about me. I'm not gay. But I would have sex with a man for a million dollars. But I'm not going to pay more than that. <laughs> You can, you, can, you can do one. Anyway, you can guys, do one so about those, these right? Mad Libs, uh, because, you know, I figure as a group, we can come up with like a fun, you know, silly bit together. You feel like you're more a part of the show. I feel like I had to write less material. So let's go ahead <laughs> and uh, get some suggestions from the crowd. Now, fellas, try not to be too dirty. There are ladies present. <laughs> How many ladies are here by show of titties? <laughs> All right. <laughs> So I'm going to go ahead and get some suggestions. Can I get a plural noun? Just somebody over here, shout out a plural noun. Cars. Cars, love it. And uh, can I get an adjective from over here, an adjective? Purple, love it. And can I get a location you might find kids? Somebody over here again. Disneyland. All right. Let's see what we came up with here, gang. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, and cars, <laughs> in accordance with Section 2250 of Title 18, United States Code, I am legally obligated to tell you that I, Martin Urbano, am a registered sex offender. <laughs> if you have any questions regarding my case or sentencing, please contact my purple parole officer. <laughs> Anyway. Disneyland, you said? Thank you. 
All right, so before I get out of here, now's the part of my set where if you have 3D glasses, go ahead and put them on. <laughs> Incredible. I can see why you got JFL because that's very. Uh, it's just it was, you know, it's just got that. that it was vibe. the same Booker at that time, and it was the same set, and I got booked for basically both at the same time. Oh, what's his name? Is it that one guy? Uh, I forget his name already. Her <laughs> name. Oh, her name. Yeah, okay, is so Hannah Crichton. Oh, okay, uh, so. Je- Jeff, Jeff, uh, Jeff Singer, or I want to say is his name. He, um, okay. he, his, uh, he, he was like also in charge of it. But Hannah Crichton was the booker who picked me, and then also I guess they all had to agree or whatever. But then she also mm. booked me for Kimmel, where she had, mm. um, yeah, full full reign to do so. Yeah, what man, what a great set. <laughs> I really, really knocked that out of the park. I love your cadence. It's like a classic uh comedian style, but it's like, you know, it's but it's but your material is is original and all that. It's like I mean it's things. looking at it, it's it's totally like wow, I'm I'm like so ripping off Steve Martin and Bo Burnham. Like I'm just like I see it very heavily so. Um but I think it comes out it comes out in a, a new and interesting way. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's not even like, it's not even like they invented that. I get that they're like modern versions of that, but that's just like. They're also carrying show business kind of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like you do it in a way where you're, you're clearly like kind of sarcastic about it. And it's like one Mm -hmm. of those things where it just plays in and it adds another layer of comedy to it where it is and it works too. So it's like, it all kind of comes together. So yeah, I really like that. It's great. Thanks, man. Yeah. I feel I'm definitely proud of that. Um, that's a good one. Looking at it, it's just like, damn, I'm so cute. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just like, look at that. Oh, look at me. It's great. You and you, you play that up. Uh, you play that up on stage too. Um, yeah. It's it's like hard not to like you. I play it up a little bit, but honestly, what was it three? I taped that four years ago. Like mm. the, I was more, I was like nervous on stage and I was like really trying to, I'm like, I, that was definitely me like reciting, but also, you know, being excited. And then also that live energy was really um, like very, very helpful. They kept telling me before I went on, they're like, you're going to bomb. So you're going to bomb and like, don't worry, we're going to fix it in post. Like j- just, you're gonna bomb and i was like oh shit i guess i'm gonna bomb so even my first joke uh, like i i throw that one out there which is definitely uh one of my one of my strong a strong opener um i'm just like i'm just rushing through it but they're still applauding that i'm walking on stage Mm -hmm. because i thought i was told i was gonna bomb so i'm like i'm prepared for silence Mm -hmm. um and and then they were a really good crowd but that was they they had kept changing the format how they were taping stand-up at kimmel so some they would have it like in the studio and they're like, this doesn't work. Or I guess they're too far. The audience is too spread out. So then they put it in the side room. But then at one point they were like, we want it to be like a comedy club. So they put tables in the front, which just made it more spread out and just like awkward. And so this was the first time they're like, what if we just packed it in like a comedy show? And like, surprisingly, that works. It's like, Weird. Yeah. do you think uh, that yeah. do you think that they were psychologically priming you or were they just being frank? 
they were being frank. They were wow. being frank. I have, okay. I've heard from friends who are like, yeah, it was it was rough. It was hor- a horrible situation. That's so and the weird. audience just hated. I mean, and also I do kind of weird stuff. Like they were probably like, I mean, we don't fucking know. I mean, they probably yeah. told that to everybody, but also, I mean, me especially. It was it was a bit of a gamble, but a crowd like that, I that just feel it felt like my bread and butter. That kind mm-hmm. of crowd, tourists mm-hmm. from fucking off the Hollywood Boulevard. Like that's kind of who I'm I'm playing to a little bit. Yeah. That's you know that's to me what mainstream audiences look like. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's that family from like suburbia, like yeah. Arizona. They're like, we got tickets to to see Kimmel. We have no idea what to expect. Let's like it's <laughs> exactly. a family. Like yeah, exactly. They're excited because they're on vacation. They're detached now. If I went into their hometown and they were at like a coffee shop and I came in and started doing it, they'd be like, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't want to see more of this. But in that situation, it it worked out uh, for me. Now, do you always? Go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, even if there was fake laughter in there, I'm not saying that there was. I'm saying that if there was... Oh, they had to turn if, that shit down. Yeah, yeah, no, they... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was going to say, like, it was... I would see through that and still, if you did, had a bad set and I didn't think it was fine, I still wouldn't have laughed, but I, like, genuinely right. was laughing and I don't just do that, like... Ooh, so yeah, he doesn't just good. do that. No, I don't. I'm <laughs> Dave knows I'm a huge cynical like person. So you pass the smell it. test. <laughs> it's really it. good. Hell yeah. 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 Thanks. Any, anytime yeah. I, and I, anytime I do new stuff and Steve's there and he doesn't laugh, I'm like, well, this is, this is garbage. This is not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm just soulless also. <laughs> yeah, so there's yeah. that, but yeah. I mean, once you've done it for so long, Steve uh, is oh. running an open mic. How long have you run TikTok? Now. Oh, six years. Yeah, so you see the worst of the worst. So it's like yeah. everything is jaded. I've been doing point. open running open mics for seven. Yeah. So yeah. Ugh. Yeah. All right. So you come out in the, in your set. You come out guns blazing. Um, you know, with the whole when I say poor or whatever. Uh, do you when open I every say set with the, that? You say yeah. poor, kill the. And then the audience shouts out poor and then they laugh because yeah, we should kill poor people. <laughs> it's my reasoning is my hope for the audience. Uh, but that one, you know, let's start off, let's kick it off. Right. Talking about offensive jokes. Yeah. That used to not be poor. Does anybody have any guesses? What oh, that man. could be the whites. <laughs> no, that, that would have, that, that would have stayed. Yeah. I, I actually, yeah, I don't know. Um, I used to do a joke just like that, but it was it was it was one of those things where it's like give it up. I'd let them clap, and then I would say what it what I was gonna say. I love that. That's mm-hmm. that's so much fun to me to make the audience do or say something that they don't necessarily right. agree with. They'll be like, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I used to say Charles Manson. I think that was one of them. I used to try it out with different <laughs> ones and be like, give it up that's for good. Charles Manson. They'd be like, oh, I'm yeah. done. La- I'm done clapping. No, but I don't. I don't know. What what did you say? Uh, Jews. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That was what it was yeah. in Texas, <laughs> and it killed yeah, yeah, every <laughs> time. It destroyed. I was like, "This is the best opener ever." And then I moved to New York, and for some reason, it stopped working. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, there are Jewish people here." <laughs> this sounds like. A hate crime. So, so wait, what was the what was the setup on that again? It was when I say the, you oh. say blank. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, I, you know, I, I was like, this joke isn't working. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I change it? And I think poor works so much better. Uh, it, it's both a stronger joke 
just in that like you know contextually what it all means it's like okay it's more fun to me to make fun of all of poor people than than a race of people Mm -hmm. because the idea of poor all that um but then also of course you know hit or miss ratio it suddenly went from it would only kill in texas to now it's killing everywhere and that was uh that was that's one of my faves (laughs) do you think that that switch worked? do you think it was because it was more of a general the generalization than than uh, the the more specific I think especially my my like main reasoning is that no poor people are at a comedy show. <laughs> you have to buy a ticket to get here. So inherently you are you have some sort of money that you're willing to waste on watching me. So um no, I mean more than anything it's just like the idea of poor is just like such a a more vast like I don't say you know, I don't get more specific, just poor, like rich or poor, you know, like yeah. those are just, it's very, it's so broad that mm-hmm. it works, mm-hmm. but it's still specific enough to get an audience to say that they kill the poor is, uh, <laughs> is, is, is still a shock, a shock to the system. <laughs> and, and it's one of those things where they say it without even thinking about it. And they're like, oh shit. Yeah. They're conditioned to just be like, I'm, I'm along for the ride. And immediately yeah. out of the gate, I'm like, this ride's going to be bumpy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you set it up. Uh, you set up the rest of your set with just that. It's like, oh, now we expect like it, it's silly. It's non-threatening, but it's also edgy at the same time. So that's what I try to do. Yeah, that's what I try to do. <laughs> and I mean, even even in that Kimmel set, like it's that that bit has like killed. Like that energy like floats me through um, completely. But this this one, I was I was kind of rushing it, so it still sounds good. I think on the tape, but like live, I think there were a lot of people who were like, well, what did he say? I didn't hear. I was too busy clapping. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like they told this guy he was about a bomb. Why is he rushing? Mm-hmm. Have you tried, I mean, have you tried rich versus poor before? I Look, Just, I, there are some lines that shouldn't be crossed. Yeah, right? You're right. You're right. That's why I was, I was testing you and you passed. So do you open a lot of your set? I mean, I mean, you said that was like four years ago. So, but uh, was that an opener that you, that you frequently used? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, well, of course, before, like, as soon as I thought of it, I was like, I'm opening every single set with this. <laughs> like, but uh, I think before that, it was very, um, I, I, I always wanted to figure out an, a good opener that would stay. Well, okay, let's look, we can, we can dive into offensive comedy all we want. Uh, it's, uh, I opened when I was really first starting out, like spending time in Denton, Texas, and probably at the beginning of Austin too, I would open with a joke about rape. And the reason I say that is because um, it, I use that word specifically as part of the punchline. Now it was tasteful. It was like I, it would do well. It would do well. But then sometimes it wouldn't. And I remember one time when I was in Denton, it's like a college town. So one of the other comedians was like a college student. It was like, hey, one of my friends was here, and she just like got really um, upset at that joke. And at that time, you know, you you heard who my inspirations were and I was well liked by the other comedians and he wasn't as well liked. So guess what they all said? You know, fuck her. Fuck this guy. Like, don't listen to them. You're awesome. And I was like, cool. I'm awesome. Great. But if (laughs) somebody had like told me then, I think that would have saved me a lot of time. Like, hey, think about that. You know, mm-hmm. just, but I didn't, I wouldn't have wanted to sit in that. I don't know if I would have accepted that, but no one even told me like, Hey, other than that guy, of course. Um, but I didn't know him really well and everybody else took my side. And it's very easy when everybody's taking your side to feel like you are overall right. Mm-hmm. When by everyone, I mean 
12 comedians, you know, 12 comedians who were in that Denton comedy scene. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It was, uh, and they were all, they were all like nice and protective and they like understood where I was coming from. So I don't even blame them on being like, yeah, no, they, they didn't, they just knew me and were like, we like that joke. And we'd like structurally, it's good. You know, like it passes, it checks all the boxes, except the box that says, can this like, you know, is this a good joke for every audience? And what about people who, you know, have, suffered from the thing you're just using as a punchline mm-hmm. yeah um, we definitely talk about that a lot to the whole like well, what if there's someone in the audience genuinely experiencing uh ptsd some sort of relive trauma and it's like what what are they what how do they how should they live their life and how how should we you know it's kind of like that whole mask thing where it's like i got freedoms but i also got to be considerate considerate of others but also like what, you know, what are, where are the boundaries here? Like, should they get over it? Uh, not, no, but also kind of, kind of the way I see it is just the way I think most comedians think also the audience is right. <laughs> so I'm like, I want to perform in front of an audience. And then if they're like, if I make a ironically homophobic joke and in the audience, there is a, a homophobic person who's loving it. And then right next to that person is a, a gay person who is like, I don't like this. Can I change that to make it good? Can I reverse that? Can I make that, um, you know, if, I, if I'm going to upset somebody, which inevitably I probably want to, <laughs> like that's kind of probably, you know, a little bit of a want. I want to like make some sort of, I want, I want people to feel something interesting, you know? Um, yeah. I'd rather, I'd much rather if I want to play with that topic of homophobia, how do I make the homophobe feel uncomfortable? Yeah, yeah. It's a good, it's a very good uh, way to put it. And that took a while, a little while to get there for me, probably, you know, like it took longer than it should have. But I'm, I'm ever since I got there, it's been a lot easier about, you know, oh, where's the line? It's like, I don't know. Just listen to the audience. They're really telling you. Yeah. What's up? I was going to say, jo- the audiences love justice porn where they you know, you if you do that, if you yeah, punching up, people love, love that. If you do it right, you know, like not obviously punching up, but it, very funny and very like in a clever way, like really has so much more power than a funny joke that is at the expense of someone, you know, punching down per se. I mean, if, if both jokes, let's say hypothetic, I mean, I, I, I love, I both love talking about it and I'm just, I'm like, also like, oh, I, sometimes I feel like I'm up my own ass too much. So I, <laughs> I always try to ride that line. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they're both equally funny, let's say they're both equally structurally, like like all three, let's say all, all three of us and, and Jeremy who's off screen, we all agree, all four of us agree, that joke, these two jokes are funny. Mm-hmm. But one, somebody says, hey, this one makes pe- certain groups of people in your audience feel very uncomfortable because this is stuff that they have been, people have said about them in sincerity and that has hurt them. And it's hard to to tell because also other people who do agree with this ironic statement, but really sincerely agree are loving it. You know, like I'm like, okay, well, d- what about this other joke? Oh, this other joke like works. Like it makes people understand. I'm like, okay, I'll just go with the one mm-hmm. that makes that people, you know, can yeah. understand and is also funny. I, yeah. It's, to me, I, I don't know. Color me crazy. I think it's possible. I think it's possible to make uh, something fun, funny. And yeah. I think I think just if it's a good joke, it's a good joke. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and my, my, I guess, definition of good has changed. But, you know, it's all that's always what I've been doing. And people have liked it before. So I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, as it should. And as audiences get more diverse too, like, you know, your writing has to, to adapt to that. Like, sure. Well, that I'm against. That I'm against. <laughs> diverse audiences. Diverse audiences. I mean, they really, they really get under my skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I always found it interesting that the people who are like, the audience is always right. You just got to listen to the audience, listen to what they do are also the exact same people who are like these Brooklyn crowds. I mean, these <laughs> Brooklyn crowds. I'm like, really? Okay. That's how you want to live your life by feeling that Brooklyn, Brooklyn crowds don't laugh at anything, but the audience is also always right. I'm, I'm confused to me. I'm like both. I, that's why I like to do both. I like to perform at a club. It's less fun for me personally, because I'm like, I know which script I have to stick more to. I can't take as many risks, as many leaps as, as I can for the Brooklyn crowd for me specifically, but I can do both. And all of my favorite comedians can do both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that either or question is, is super limiting. It's like, Oh, you know, I can either do it this way or this way. It's like, why can't we put them together at the same time? You're, you're asking the wrong question. It's not, should yeah. I do either or it's how can I do both at once? And that's, I mean, I think that comedy explores that uh, at its core. It's like how, because everything is like everything at once you know there's so much happening and it, it can be a simple scenario um it can be it can seem simple on its surface but they're like you know i always like to to call it unpeeling the onion there's so much there <laughs> if you and and that's what a good comic will do is explore each layer yeah. it's like laughter is such an important part of human life and we've all gotten into the business of how do we monetize it how do we manipulate it it's like what an odd what an odd thing we've all decided to do right you you narrowed it down to the course like we we want to make people laugh we this is something that we like to do so how do we share that with people um when it comes to doing like writing one-liners and when it comes to writing your joke do you feel genuine surprise when you come up with a punchline like what's your writing process um, and what are you going for as you sit down to to write content? I guess it really depends on like it it just varies so much. Um, like lately, what I've been doing with my with my game show is I write all of the trivia questions. So they're all basically jokes. And some of them are like, here are old pieces of jokes like from my standup that I can adapt and then be like, okay, let's put this, um, you know, let's put this joke in front of a trivia question. And then that I just read the joke and then we got the trivia question. Um, it, it, it has helped me to have like a format be like, okay, I need like, you know how like on, on all these game shows, they have like little intros, like, well, that's spicy, which meatball has the something, something, you know? And it's like, okay, what, what was that? The beginning part was just like a little intro, like a little opening thing to get into the question. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll have like an intro, something the length can vary. Sometimes it is, Oh, that's spicy, which stand up comedian had allegations against them. You know, like I'll, I'll go that way or other ways. I'll, I'll get like, um, let's say the, the, I'm a, the Virgin Mary candle joke in my stand-up. I was like, take that whole thing and then put it in front of, but Virgin Mary candles were founded, you know, when or whatever. And then now I got four choices, one, two, three, and then the fourth gets to be a funny one, just like on the hundred dollar questions on who wants to be a millionaire, but mine are actually funny and actually good. <laughs> um, uh, 
Yeah, so it's it's helped it's helped me to have a format recently, but I don't know. I'll think of something funny. I'll write it down in conversation. If something like strikes me, in, you know, interesting, what I say, I will hop out of that conversation with the other person. Fuck them, they're not there because I got to write this down because this is my career. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'll I'll just be like the Mad Libs bit in 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 my Kimmel set was that started off. It was the Mad Libs. I was like, okay, there's something funny here. Like Mad Libs, what can I plug in? You know, they they can say whatever, and and I can plug it into something. And it used to be Obama jokes, because I thought it would be interesting to. Uh, which I ended up putting those in a, in another bit that isn't really filmed out there yet, but that bit kills. Trust me. Um, <laughs> so I it, that is what it used to be, and then I was like, ah, it just like isn't working in this format. What's like a different way? And then I just tried it one day. I don't know. Something came to me. Like, what if I was like trying to say I was a sex offender, and then that made it. That made it a whole, a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that that made the bit come all come together. But you know that. So that's a process of that started with. Oh, there's something funny about Mad Libs. I like making the audience say something that doesn't really matter but like kind of does um they don't they don't know what context it, uh, you know is going to happen to what they're saying or what they're doing um and then just sex offender now is the first time i made a joke about sex offenders and haven't stopped since it's all i got <laughs> <laughs> i thought there was i thought there was a lot there i thought there was a lot there and i was right and there's so much and sometimes it's too much sometimes it like sometimes it's a lot uh, but but there, I, I find it interesting what's what's behind the making fun, making fun of pedophiles. How is it how is it controversial? I don't know, but it's interesting. They're great. Say yeah, I'm on your side. Not even that. Not even that. That's like occasionally, like people who are like um, are like, oh, you shouldn't make fun of this kind of thing. Like this is, but more often than not, I get people who are like, you PC cuck piece of shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, you know? and i'm like whoa man i'm just making a woody allen joke all right i just uh, <laughs> but you know also but that also is is a lot more rare than i would have assumed but i think it's because i've had had a lot of experience like writing jokes before i got into this particular subject mm-hmm. that i was able to you know i'm, I'm able to kind of skirt a lot of the the hard hard mean criticism and also being a dude helps so much if i if i was a lady doing it i would be my mentions would be filled with death threats but mm. um i think i think yeah. i also have a, a a good skill at at towing that line to make it like boom you get that i'm making fun of woody allen but if you're weird about it that makes you look so weird that you mm. can't even say anything yeah mm. um going back to your bit you know the, the mad lib bit uh, it's such a, it's like a fun way to kind of introduce a sensitive topic. And it's almost like, well, you guys wrote this, you know, like yeah, you came up yeah, with yeah. this. This is on you. Um, it's a little bit like a magic trick, which is, yeah. I think, what I, I'm very inspired by, by magic. Uh, I feel, I feel like I'm a, a big magician up there. And I have, I have a lot more other, I have a lot of other bits that, that are very magic reliant, magic based. Mm-hmm. At the uh, the the third beat on that one, the Disneyland uh, was that like mm. how did you work that into was because uh, I feel like if I if in my writing process if I were to write like a Mad Lib joke like that that would just be the third beat on in the Mad Lib 
Um, but you kind of took it out of that construct. You, you closed the notebook and everybody's waiting for like, where's Disneyland going to come in? Um, which, which is like brilliantly done the way you do it. Uh, because for a second, I had to think about it. Like, how did that uh, come to be as far as, you know, you're, you're creating the, the I think bit. that was like, I had the Mad Libs and I had mm-hmm. tried it with like three beats, you know, it's like, I'm like, how, how long can I stretch this out on three beats? Sounds good. Um, and then I just had, and I took out the Obama jokes and so now I just had Mad Libs and three beats. And I was like, okay, what if it's a sex offender? And then I just wrote that bit out. I just sat and I wrote it out and then, you know, probably tried it a couple of times and polished it, but definitely, I mean, the biggest part, like it came out pretty good and i have another bit where i pretend to forget my joke and i pretend to start having like a panic attack on stage or something and yeah. then i hand <laughs> i i pretend no i i do and uh i i hand my jokes over like a sheet of paper to an audience member and i have them read from the audience my jokes as i mime them out on stage and that bit, just like the Mad Libs one, after I made that adjustment, all came out like pretty finished early on. Then it just became a matter of trying it in front of as many different audiences as possible. So I can be like, okay, who can I pick? Who, you know, who looks like they'll do a good job? I'm like profiling like people. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay, who looks like they can do a job? Okay, if I'm listening, like what I had to like come up with an out in case I hand the mic over and then they're just atrocious readers. I'm like, okay, here's the save. I just give it a beat and the audience is like, we didn't like that. And then I just give it a beat and then just grab the paper and turn to somebody else and say, ma'am, can you do me a huge favor? Could you read, you know, just kind of reset it with a different person. And then that gets a big pop. And it's about finding those things. So with the Mad Libs, it was like, okay, people are going to shout out all kinds of things. And that, that's, it works best on the, in the Kimmel, you know, in the, in that, in the show format where they're like, we don't really want to like fuck with him. We want to play along. So like that, that definitely helps, but I have to be able to like skirt around like, okay, what if they don't say anything? What if they say something fucked up? You know, like I, I, it's about hearing it as many different times in as many different ways and coming up with the saves to prevent all that. So that's where the work really would come in. Yeah, I can imagine if someone said something that was fucked up, it would it would like take away the the punch of the reveal that you're a sex offender. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. is that like how do you yeah. how the, the yeah right? Um, <laughs> Ta da! How how have you? I mean, have you had that happen where it's like, oh man. Uh, yeah, I also, I mean, as I was watching the, rewatching that set, I was like, damn, so much could have gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but, you know, th- so I guess that is what looks like a little risky from the outside, but I've just, like, done it so much by the time people see it that I, I'm pretty prepared. Like, sometimes people will, and I'm talking about a bit nobody here has seen, but uh, people ask to see the sheet of paper that I hand to the audience member, because they're like, what does it look like on there? And I write in, I write in the pauses, I write in the, you know, I, I, I tweak it and design it in a way that I'm like, okay, I, I can hear I can hear what's what I need to do in this moment, even though I don't have the microphone with me. Mm-hmm. Um how, you know that's a little bit of a disadvantage um but what was the original question i started talking about this other bit that i love i guess yeah you know, just, just if somebody um in the mad lib bit it's like says something that is even like yeah. maybe even more offensive than than what you do which- i mean it, it it could fuck it up it could definitely fuck it up but i've and I haven't done that bit. Like uh, that was the one, that one I retired after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I kept my opener, but I, I kind of 
let that Mad Libs sit because I was like, okay, that's, I mean, yeah, I can, I can move on to, to some other stuff. Um, so I can't remember what my, what my backup lines were, but I, I know I had some, like if nobody, like if I said, can I get a, a adjective? And sometimes people like wouldn't say anything. I'd be like, it describes a person, place or thing, you know, like then that gets like a little pop. Cause like, <laughs> we're stupid. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, I can't, I can't remember what I would do, but I swear I probably had something in case somebody said cocks, pussies, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm funnier than the comedian. That's great. <laughs> Racial slur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh man. Anything could go wrong. Um, the, uh, another bit at the beginning, you know, you introduced the 3d glasses, uh, mm. that it, that's a real Chekhov's gun. I love it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's just, uh, I mean, that, that to me is, is I studied a lot of people's late night sets. So I'm like, okay, the best thing to do is get a big applause and then do another killer joke and then get out of there. That just seemed mm-hmm. like a good move. So I was like, okay, yeah, the 3d glasses one is like a great quick closing one that I set up early on. I had to add the, in case one hops up right out at you, <laughs> you know, I have to add that little <laughs> in order to get the audience to be like, okay, that was silly, but we can, we're still with you instead of just dead air. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I get to do the Mad Libs applause break and then get to do another quick callback and people are like, oh shit. Cause if I just ended it with the one, it's like, that's impressive. But how about I end it with two, two big applauses. Mm-hmm. Now that's cool. The, the 3d glasses bit, is that something that you do in a longer set i mean that was that would uh i think after i think after that kimmel said i stopped doing most of those other than my opener Mm. and then maybe if i was like struggling for time i would like pull out some of the other ones like (laughs) that that uh what is it million dollars gay person joke the hackiest setup of all time with yeah only slightly less hacky punchline. Uh, what was what whatever that joke is? I'll bust that out if I got to. You know, like this crowd's tough. This crowd doesn't really like what I'm doing. I'll bust this one out, or uh, or some some of the others. But for the most part, I would kind of I, I would I would hang those up. But the 3D glasses was fun. But I don't I don't trust audience members. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. Good, good, try to good give policy. as little to them as possible. Right. right. Yeah. Because <laughs> so much can go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You mentioned um, parodying showbiz, or maybe Steve mentioned that. And that's, uh, it's interesting to watch a set a couple of times because you catch things that you miss the first time. Because the first time it's like, oh, is this guy funny? And then it's like, okay, let's see why he's funny. And then and then you dive deeper into, you know, I overthink comedy way too much, um, but it's one of my same. favorite things to do. Same, yeah, same. Uh, and I, I, I designed it with that in mind because I'm somebody okay. who likes to rewatch things and be like, oh, does it hold up to a second viewing and shit? And it's like, I wanted it to be just packed with jokes with a bunch of little things that maybe you would notice again on the, on the second time for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, when we talk about parodying showbiz, like if that is the, uh, if that was the intent that like you do a couple of things that, that do that really well, it's the, the call and response at the beginning, you know, some of the hackier jokes, um, the, let me tell you, uh, you know, right. uh, cause every People comic that. does that. People love it. Yeah. And um, and then you go into the race thing. You play with the ambiguity of like, well, am I Mexican? Um, how did that be? I mean, obviously, you know, with, with your name, but then but then you commit to the I'm actually Indian uh, to yeah. 
we're at the point where the audience is like, oh, maybe he's not Mexican. Like it's the commitment that, that really sells it. Um, kind of got us through that joke or that bit. I like, I like that bit on the rewatch, but that's one that I dropped like right away. That was mm-hmm. one where I was like, yeah, it's, it's honestly that not, not that that's the best it's ever gone, but like, that's like a, about one of the top best it, it goes. It's, for some reason it just like stopped working after that or it stopped working at a certain point. And it's certainly not because people saw it. Like it was audiences <laughs> who, it was audiences who like, I don't think had seen it and, and it just wasn't working the same way. And I think it requires like a little bit of acting on my part that I just like have to like kind of commit to that. Like it, it definitely helped when I was more nervous seeming cause it's, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, I kind of believe it now. Um, but, but that can't be the real reason. I guess, I guess I also not soured on it, but I was like, okay. So when I was taking these meetings, which I feel comfortable talking about, not like I'm some sort of big shot because as I said, I fucked them all up, but I feel (laughs) comfortable talking about these meetings. Cause they were like, okay, you know, we want to like make a, like we saw your Kimball set. Like we loved like, Oh, the Mad Libs. Ah, that was cute. But we, you know what we loved was the race stuff. And we think we can make a whole show. Multiple people said this. We think we can make a show about like how people don't know what race you are. And I was like, I just said everything that I have to say about that <laughs> on stage. What, you can't make well, that. What is that? What <laughs> kind of show is that? That sounds so boring to me. I, yeah. I went on Disney owned ABC and I called myself a pedophile and your walk <laughs> away from that was like, Oh, you're racially ambiguous. And so I kind of <laughs> got a little uh, like, I'm, I'm done. I'm Latino. Like afterwards, I was just like hard. I'm like, I'm, this is, I'm fucking owning it now because I didn't, I didn't want to at first. Cause I was like, I don't, I didn't fit like George Lopez, Gabriel Iglesias. And then at the same time, I didn't want to be like considered like, you know, only a certain kind of comedian, which looking back on, I'm like, oh, I wish somebody had told me like, it's okay. You don't, you can be yourself while also, you know, embracing your, where you're from and your heritage and all that. And I, I but nobody, nobody really was a shining example to me. Al Madrigal was like the closest, but he was like still like kind of coming up more. Um, and uh, yeah, so so I, I just, after that, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to do. So now I have like, I have another, another prop bit, but I, I have like a shirt and I, I say um, something like my, I used to, I'm one of those Latinos that doesn't speak Spanish. And I used to be very ashamed of that, but my parents, uh, and I told my parents that I was scared that they'd get mad, but they've actually been really cool about it. Really supportive. In fact, they got me this shirt and then I opened my jacket and the shirt says, yo soy pendejo. And it says world's greatest <laughs> son. So, um, uh, <laughs> that, that to me, I'm like, that's like a new, like my new take on it that I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. I can joke about it in the way I want to joke about, but mm-hmm. being racially amb- ambiguous looking, that's like the most I could see that being anything is just for commercials. If I wanted to do commercials, that would probably come in handy for, for, you know, international marketing. But I, I have no interest in making a whole TV show about that. I thought the pedophile thing was so much more interesting and everybody was like, no, we're good on that. And I was like, no, <laughs> that's what I find interesting. Let's talk about your, uh, your comedy central uh, bit now, because this dives oh. into to more edgy jokes. Like that was just kind of an introduction uh, to so your th- content. This one, this next one, it was, must have been a year or two later, probably two years later, I guess. Um, this one, they were like, whatever material you want, you can do it. And 
um, so, and, and my agent at the time um, was like, you should do, uh, do material that couldn't get on late night. And I was like, okay. Martin Urbano, let me just tell you a little bit about him. Uh, sometimes <laughs> yeah, my jokes, jokes can, be considered, uh, can be considered offensive or, or a little too edgy for some people. And I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea of who I am up here. So I came up with this little idea and I brought this hat that says, I'm a good guy on it. <laughs> Sorry for these next few jokes in case you start to think, ooh, I don't know if I can laugh. Just look at the hat and know, I'm a good guy. <laughs> so here we go. <clears throat> and you know, I, uh, I wish I could go back in time and kill Hitler. Yeah. Because the last time I went back in time, I gave him some pretty bad ideas. <laughs> I tilt the hat a little towards this side of the room, okay? Put that there. You know, I got a, I got a job as a chef, man, but I got fired from there for eating everything they put in front of my face. That's also how I got fired from being a gynecologist. <laughs> I feel like not enough of you looking at the hat. The hat is a big part of it. Okay. Now, I've never killed a guy, but I imagine it feels a lot like the time I killed that girl. <laughs> so I'll be selling these hats after the show. Uh, I got these hats that say I'm a good guy, and of course, for the ladies, I got these hats that say uh, I'm a good guy written in pink. <laughs> I would like to get serious, though. Um, I think the Me Too movement is important, but we should be careful about listening to some yeah. women who might be making false claims about me personally. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like this witch hunt is finding nothing but a ton of rapists. Hey, you're supposed to be looking for witches. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't want to live in a country where if I give a girl a compliment, all of a sudden I'm fired as a substitute teacher. Honestly, I, I'm scared to even sneeze around a woman, because then what if she hears me hiding in her closet? Hey, first of all, fun fact, I remember seeing that clip. I've oh, yeah. seen that clip. It's been a while, but I saw that. I remember that. It was really oh, good. Shit. Yeah, oh, shit. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that's, that's nice. So, you know, some, some people saw it, some cool people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it was on Instagram. I used to really get mad at people in the comments. I'd always be like, all right, who hates this? Yeah. And I'd be like, no, you're wrong. You don't get it. You, this is tough. This is hard to do. <laughs> on, the, on the Comedy Central Instagram, they just put the hat part in, which is the setup. Like, they put in so much of the setup. Also, yeah. that set was supposed to be six minutes longer, but I was doing more um, kind of musical bits, like bits that required songs. And they were like, ah, I think it'll be fine. And then the clip came out and they were like, oh yeah, no, it was copyrighted. We can only put this much in. I'm like, ah, okay, well, fuck. Um, but so they just put the hat, like a minute, of, like, or 30 seconds of the clip. And it was mostly just the hat. They did include the Hitler one, but the setup is just so slow, especially for Instagram. Um, but I definitely did go into the comment section myself. I was yeah. like, <laughs> I was like, Hey, stop being mean. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. 
But I, I did take the Me Too clip because I, I was hoping. I was hoping that, and I, I looking back at it now, I'm like, of course they weren't. But I was hoping that they would put that clip out of the Me Too jokes and that would do well, but they didn't. They refused to, so I did, and then that one did well on my Twitter. So maybe you might have even seen it off uh, somebody giving it a retweet somewhere. Um, I don't know if I've on seen Twitter. it one. So of of of, of Stephen, who had seen it, David. Yeah. You don't have to say that. I I don't I don't fucking know. I have, no idea. <laughs> I have uh, seen that one before, though the the hat one. Because when I found the uh, the Kimmel one, I I found that one. Yeah, I like so. I like that hat. I like that hat bit. That sets you apart. It makes it memorable. <laughs> the what? The fact that you had a hat, that you did your hat, it makes it very memorable. You have a unique uh, approach, so it it does it does give you an edge. So that's good. That's true. I mean, I like props. I like props. Uh, I don't know if you saw on that stage there were other props that were in the musical bit that I didn't get to in that in that clip. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was. Uh, I, I'm I'm proud of those. And I remember I filmed that. I was looking at the date. It came out in February 2019. I filmed that in September, right before it's September 2018, September 11th. That's how I remember it. Um, and that's the only reason I remember that date was mm-hmm. uh, it was it was the day I recorded that Comedy Central thing. And I and those jokes were fresh. Like those were pretty fresh. I tried them a few times, but I was like, I feel very proud of these. I feel, and it was definitely a comment on like other people who I had seen. Like I would see at clubs, and they'd be like, "What? You can you even fart around a woman, huh?" And that was like the whole joke. And I was just like, "Okay, I got to make fun of this shit." Yeah. And so I was very proud of those jokes. But then they took a long time to get out there, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, by the time February comes around, everyone's gonna have made jokes about it already. It's gonna be so, it's gonna have aged like milk." And February comes around i'm one of the first motherfuckers i see who's like making those kind of jokes the only other people the only other person that i saw was sam marill who also did really good uh, well done me too jokes um and and we we compliment each other about about that sometimes when we see each other we're like hey, mm-hmm. good me too jokes um <laughs> yeah. yeah that that was that was that that was that's it the uh it it's funny because you'll see like the same hack setups uh, sometimes it's fun to do that, the writing exercise of writing a better punchline or writing like an unexpected punchline that pulls the rug under out from under that setup. So the, you know, you can't even sneeze around women anymore. Again, your magic yeah. trick, like, oh, he was in the closet the whole time. Like, that's <laughs> really yeah. funny. Do you Just ever find yourself doing fun. that? Hiding in people's closets? Of course, all yeah. the time. <laughs> I, I only speak the truth on stage. That's what yeah. I do. <laughs> I actually sleep in my girlfriend's closet. It's great. Um, she doesn't know I'm there or her boyfriend. Now that's romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, like if you do a joke about like, you're like, you can't say anything anymore. And then you start speaking Croatian and then people are like, <laughs> all right, I didn't expect it to take this turn. That's good. I like that. Uh, <laughs> if you can you start know, speaking you, Croatian, that works. Yeah. You see that all the time. I'm sure. I mean, I see it all the time. It's like, you can't say anything anymore. And it's like, no, you just suck. I don't yeah. know. You can't yeah. make anything funny. All right. There's literally everything that you can make funny. Yeah. There's an infinite amount of things that you can make funny, but you act like you're trapped. It's because yeah. it's you. I think it's hard. It, it It's hard for people who are bad writers. Like it is hard. Yeah. Like they were like, I could just say literally anything and I would be able to sell it. And now, now I can't, I'm like, I, you know, I don't feel bad necessarily, but I'm like, I mean, that is like, I understand the reasoning at least it's, yeah. I'm an awesome writer. It, I can handle I can handle it. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. 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 They are I wish they could writers. say the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not even lazy, just bad. Like they can't yeah. do it. 
They just don't have a sense of humor. They start uh, doing comedy because they just want to be a comedian instead of just actually having a sense of humor that, that can facilitate it. Kind of. I would even yeah. argue in some ways they do have a good sense of humor. They just don't have, they just don't know how to get it out of their heads. They're like, uh, I know what's, I like what, what I like, but oh, I, just, okay. I can't, I can't make my own. I think I use the word sense of humor in like a weird dual way where it's like, yeah, you know what's funny, but you also know how to like make it into your own thing, which I guess isn't the same. The sense of humor, like a professional sense of humor. Yeah, of, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's connecting sense of your own humor. Humor. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, too many of those comics take the first thing that comes to mind. It's like the obvious thing, the most abrasive thing. It's like, how can you say the same thing? But like, keep writing punchlines for it until you get the one that's like unexpected or the one that's uh, yeah, the one that's yeah. I even see people who can take the first abrasive thing and and can make it funny and can mm-hmm. make it interesting. But if that doesn't work out for you, instead of being like, "Hey, you can't say anything anymore," then yeah, you have to do exactly what you said, David. Just like be like, right, keep writing punchlines until one fucking works. Mm-hmm. That's the job. That's why you get money for it. You know, it's like. It's like if you're working at a, at a restaurant and you fucking burn a steak, you're not going to be like, what, you I don't fucking like steaks anymore? <laughs> <laughs> what, you can't eat a steak in this place no more? It's like, no, yeah. fucking make it good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's liberals. <laughs> oh, you can't, you don't like it rare. You know, I don't know. I lost, I lost myself on my steak yeah, yeah. metaphor, but boy, was that good for a second. It was. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't well done. So but it was, it was <laughs> oh shit! Oh shit! <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the, the you can't say anything anymore, crowd. Uh, there's there's the inverse of that. There's the uh, offended by everything crowd, oh. and uh, so it's a matter of like you gotta play that fine. Like, how can you get both groups of those people to laugh at the same joke? Yeah, I. <laughs> I just I think for the most part like uh, offended ever, audiences that get offended at everything is a bit of a, of a confl- I, I almost said myth but it's it's not there are audiences who it's like I mean it's and, and especially you know I'm coming from my own experience and there are people who perform a lot more to more audiences who who have said it and felt it and I'm like okay so I can't I can't speak to that so I'll just speak to my own experience of I think it's conflated a lot because you like I mean I definitely have seen people like a bomb and are like what you guys don't like anything and then I go up and I kill and I'm like I'm saying fucked up stuff too I just know how to do it um that I, I, I don't know, but I have, I've definitely performed and bombed for audiences who are like, they just did not get what I was doing at all. And I really thought that I could get them and, and they, and I just fell flat on my face. And what I do after that is I just silently go and I go stop by a bar and I get a drink <laughs> and I'm just like, that was not, that was not fun. Um, and then I just, you know, take that one on the chin and and go off because th- that is such a small minority compared to what most people say. And and I don't. I'm not going to like get on Twitter and start being like, oh, this crowd fucking sucked. I fucking hated this crowd. I'm like, you know, I just take that one on the chin. Sometimes I bomb for. Sometimes I bomb for all kinds of people, and it's it's hard. Sometimes it is just the crowd that night. It doesn't feel like there's some overarching like, oh, audiences are so so sensitive. And if they are more sensitive, like I don't know, to people who have been like, I did it a decade ago, and now I'm doing it now, and it's still like, 
you know, and they, they definitely have gotten more sensitive. It's like, well, yeah, culture has changed and grown. It's like your act should too. Mm-hmm. That's, that's part of, to me, that is part of the job also. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to think that there are some people that are not through, you know, whatever is bothering them or, or you know, the, a topic that you approach, like, you know, somebody in the audience might have just recently gone through that. So you have mm-hmm. to kind of have that in mind um, too, but again, like you can't, you can't try to please everybody. So it's towing that line because it, it makes you a worse right. writer. I think I, th- I remember something that, um, did you guys ever watch last comic standing when Norm Macdonald was one of the judges? I didn't watch that season. Oh, it no. was, it was like Norm Macdonald, Roseanne and somebody else. I forget who, um, I think it was, it was one of the Wayne's brothers. Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And, and, but Norm Macdonald was, was in, in some moment, like some, a comedian went up and did a joke about how like Harry Potter, like is, is kind of like the Bible or like Harry Potter's better than the Bible. Like some pretty basic joke, you know, like, I I mean, I feel like I've heard that kind of thing and like, Oh, you believe in the Bible. And then what have you believed in Harry Potter? Okay. Simple, whatever it did well. And then Norm Macdonald was like, uh, the Bible, like he started being kind of weird. He's like the, yeah. Bi- the Holy Bible <laughs> was, uh, was you know, uh, people, people. If you if you knew J.K. Rowling was was actually um, had had read the Bible in in his uh, in, in in her uh, in, in making of Harry Potter, and then so, and he was basically getting to the point of you should know what you're joking about because if not, there's going to be people like me who are like this joke just doesn't even make sense, really. And that point, I feel like I've I've kind of uh, 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 paid attention to and going on where it's like, yeah, if, if you want uh, one of the best protections you can do on like if a joke will, you know, will get people upset is know what you're talking about. And I feel like people don't want to know what they're talking about. They're like, I'm dumb, so I don't have to know. And that's my characters. I'm dumb. And I'm going to say, as a dumb guy, this is my opinion. And it's like, OK, well, then you might if you don't know what you're saying, you might end up, you know, saying saying some shit that will, will, you know will get get some negative reactions to say the least um but if you know what you're talking about i i mean like i try to like i try to watch all these documentaries about priests and and sex offenders in the industry and i try to like read the articles as they come out and stuff so when i'm making these jokes i'm like i know what i'm talking about uh you know as i could always know more and i try to you know that's the that's the ever ending goal. But if you just, I feel like educating, that's why Anthony Jeselnik, I think has also stood the test of time is because he's somebody who educates himself and he talks about a lot. He says, I'm educated. You know, he says, uh, uh, he, he reads a lot. He wants to learn. And I feel very similarly. I want to learn so I can make better jokes. Mm. Yeah. That's And learning is hard. Learning is hard. And <laughs> it is, it can be. And it feels embarrassing to not know. So if you want to maybe embrace that and be like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm proud that I don't know. And it's like, well, that's, that's fair too. But then when you get new information, you can listen to and adapt then. Like if people are actively telling you that something you're doing, here's, here's how to learn. And like, no, 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 no. I'm going to commit to my character of not knowing anything. Dude, it's like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. There's nothing that bothers me more than a comedian who's stuck in their ways because like, yeah. Part of comedy is constantly questioning what's going on 
in the world. And so, and the world is constantly learning new things. And so like, you have to be able to adapt to it. Otherwise, you know, you'll, you'll be stuck with an, with an, a flip phone in 2021. Like you're not part of the world anymore. Yeah. It's like, I, I kill all the time, but I only perform for the Westboro Baptist church. It's like, okay. Right. I mean, you know, yeah, you found your niche. <laughs> yeah. You're probably very likable. <laughs> um, being able to defend your, your material is, uh, is, is, is definitely, I mean, that's what, what I aspire to do when I write a joke is like, I have to be able to stand by this and I have to have supporting details as to why I'm telling this joke that I might not include on stage, but I know that if someone comes up to me after I tell a joke and they're like, I'm like, you can't joke about the military like that or, or whatever. And I'm like, well, no, the reason I'm telling this joke is because I agree with you. If you were to actually listen to what I'm saying, like, here are the reasons why. Um, do, you, do you find any value in, in being able to argue the opposite point that you're making in the joke? Um, I find value in listening to when people say that, because if somebody has a problem with it, then I'm going to listen and hear them out. And sometimes I think, oh, that's actually a good point. And sometimes I'm like, that's not really what I'm doing. I think, you know, this was kind of a misinterpretation. Good to know, noted. If I keep getting this feedback from audiences, then that's something. But I think this is, you know, I'm going to have to trust my gut on this one of what I'm trying to do. And, you know, what I see, what I see out there, I'm like, to me, I think I'm like hardly saying anything fucked up, which is kind of funny because I am, but and I'm kind of trying to, but I really don't. I'm like, comparatively, I see, I see people saying some really fucked up shit. So when people kind of go up to me and they're like, how dare you? I'm like, I mean, and that's once again, a stretch. I don't really like, I remember working on this, like a, a working on my pedophile chunk and uh, people, you know, people, there were like some mixed results on that. And I, but I listened to the feedback. I was like, okay, what, what's the problem? And somebody was like, I look, I'm, I, I tried to like engage with people on Twitter at one point when, when I made some of those jokes and they were like, look, I, th- there were some people who I, d- I just do not agree with what you're doing. And I think you're a bad person. And I'm like, okay, well, let's break that down a little bit. And they're like, fuck you for even trying to break it down. And I'm like, okay, this is not a, a thing to focus on that. I'm internalizing this much more than it's helpful to anybody. Um, okay. What if I go, what, let me approach this person who's like, look, I'm, I, I got this face. I'm, I'm a fan of, of your comedy. I like your style and I, I like your jokes, but I did see this pedophile bit that you were doing in, in person. And Honestly, it was like it, it got to me, and I was like, "What did what got to you about it?" If, if you wouldn't mind telling me, and they were like, "It honestly was just the length of it. It was like so long. It was like five, ten minutes of pedophile jokes right after the other." I'm like, "That's a good note. That makes total sense. Like, I can make these jokes, but if I'm just bogging it down, and people, it's like it's like being in church. It's like whenever I would be forced to be in church, I'm like." guess what? I'm only thinking about how much I don't believe in this right now. I know this isn't helping me, you know? So it's like, I can see people in the audience being like, fuck, okay, I can handle a couple, but you're really bringing back up memories and shit. And like, you know, these, these horrible feelings because, because of just constantly going after one after the other. And it's like, okay, what if I spread them out? What if I take that in mind? And then that, that informs me, but even, even on a more simple one, like I used to have, 
one of my other bits that I do where I have an audience member read my jokes. I mean, it's just so much less work on my part. Uh, they, <laughs> I, I would, after doing the, the forgetting the joke, a person reading, I'd be like, okay, this, that's pretty much over, but I do want some, uh, constructive feedback from the audience. Um, uh, ma'am. And I just picked either if the person did well, I picked the same person reading the jokes, ma'am, what do you think was the worst part about my set? No wrong answers. And then they like, that one's like a hard one to get people to say something, but usually people do. Like I'd say 70% of the time people say like, oh, I thought, and I'm like, wrong. The worst part about my set is that I can't sit back, relax, and enjoy the quality comedy that I'm slinging at you guys. So I came up with an experiment. Ma'am, can you join me on stage? Applause for her, everybody. She walks around stage. You know, you got to get the audience applauding to put the peer mm-hmm. pressure on. <laughs> She's like, okay, I guess. And then she gets on stage and I'm like, so I'm going to hand you this other sheet of paper and I want you to read these jokes into this microphone here and then you're on stage and I'm just going to get my stuff. I get all my props. And then I go and I sit in the front row in their seat and I'm like, so go ahead. And then they start saying some jokes like hey you know and then i shout out i start pretending to heck like oh man this guy's good you know and then <laughs> they say another joke and i'm like oh wow nah, fucking bill maher up there this is crazy and then uh they and then they're like uh sir could you please quiet down and then that's kind of like the first beat where the audience is like haha okay the referencing starts to become a thing and i start like having a yelling match and then the audience member starts insulting me and one of the insults was um, well, the insult is now you look like if Fez from that 70s show became a pedophile. Hmm. And I think that is, that's like a pretty solid line. Um, before it was, you look like if Fez from that 70s show became a lesbian. And that that line Fezbian. would get a what? Fezbian. Close. <laughs> lesbian. As in the uh, <laughs> member of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I, and that bit would kill because people are like, ah, yeah, long hair. That's it. That's right. <laughs> you know, like that's pretty, pretty basic, but it's like it would work. And one time, um, a, a friend of mine back in, in Texas, a, a fellow comedian, she, she came up to me. I was like, hey, Martin, you know, you know, I know, you know, we're friends and, and I like you. I just wanted to say, I think that lesbian joke is a little, um, just like, it's just not, it's just not good. It's like very stereotypical. And I'm like, stereotypical. That's one thing I don't want to be unless I'm playing with the stereotype. And in the end, everybody clearly knows, you know, what my intention is, but she's like, that's just kind of a stereotypical joke. And there's not much more to it. And I'm like, Hey, that's a good point. Thanks for telling me. And I went back and I adapted it and I, I maybe tried a couple things and I landed on pedophile. I'm like, that just helps, you know, it's world building and builds my character. I, uh, you know, let, let's do with that. It's mostly the Fez from that 70s show became a something. So I'm like, mm-hmm. a Fez from that 70s show, that's, which is also funny because that's a stereotype, but it's like, that's one that, a stereotype that does apply to me where I, you know, people can see that and I'm like, okay, I'm comfortable with it. So I changed it to that. And then she saw it one time. I was like, hey, I just wanted to say, thanks for taking that note. Like you were like really cool for, for letting me say that and actually even taking, I'm like, yeah, Hey, thanks for telling me you made the joke uh, even better for me. That, that was a problem that I would have come across at some point also. Um, So that those are the kind of ways that I I adapt. But then sometimes people are like, Oh, I, I just thought all of like, I just don't think inherently you should, you should talk about any of that. I'm like, people are going to talk about it. People are going to talk about it. I'm, I just have to make sure I'm talking about it in the right way. So, I, I mean, it almost doesn't, to me, arguing about it after the show, it's like, it's if you have to get into that other more, if you need to have um, 
prior knowledge, which is it dadaism? That's like a thing where you have to have prior knowledge about something in order for it to work. I'm like, that makes it, that's hard because this stuff is going to be taken out of context. So I need it. I need it to make sense. Even if they kind of take it out of context, but then you look at it it's like, oh, even what he presented there was like, that answered all the questions. That's, that's what I want to do instead of also having to be like, well, I could defend it. I'm like, I think the defense should be within the bit itself almost. And then sometimes, of course, I like kind of like debating it and talking it out so I can kind of get my own gauge on on the situation for sure. But I want it, the material to speak for itself. Mm. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting. Um, it's a very thoughtful take on it. And uh-huh. I mean, I just came up with all that, man. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I was just think. riffing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it's I mean, it's a good point because you have to connect with the audience. Like, but regardless, yeah. like that's number one. You can't tell an audience that you didn't connect with them if they're telling you that you didn't connect with them. Like, that's that's right. Funny. Exactly. Exactly. People are a lot more basic than like stand ups also, though. Like I like as far as what they kind of perceive as comedy. So I used to have that a major problem with that where I'm like, I want the audience to laugh. So I definitely make it so. And I, but I also want the comics to laugh in the back, but sometimes jokes just like would not work at all. And it was because I was under the impression that everybody had watched as much comedy as I had, Mm -hmm. which is completely wrong. So it's like, if you didn't watch fucking hours and hours of everybody's late night set, you wouldn't understand this joke but I could kind of sell it, but it still wouldn't make any sense. Right. And, uh, and, and once I kind of was like, Oh, let me see what, like, you know, what, what, like, what do my parents think? Like, would they understand this? And that was, that was like the, the mindset I went under mm-hmm. my family, like people who don't, who aren't in it. What do, what's their uh, pool of knowledge uh, as uh, when it comes to comedy? Yeah, that's that's one that we've heard before too. I think a couple of guests have used like, "Oh, would my parents understand this uh, when they bring a joke onto the stage?" That's a good that's a good rule of thumb to consider. Other, but at the end, at the end, it still has to make me laugh. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm my target demographic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the young comedy fan, young me, and then current me, the 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 pretentious comedy asshole critic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is really good. I do that too, and it's like the only way you can really live with yourself. <laughs> to yeah, do right. otherwise you just feel like a sellout. Because what's the point? What's the point otherwise? Like, I right. could I do it? Honestly, I don't know. I've like, I sometimes I say I'm like, if I could make hacky jokes and make them work, I I would probably do that because there's so much money in that. Money's great. Yeah, but I I just don't know if I can do that because I like a try and it still comes out weird. You know, right? Mm-hmm. It still comes out a little weird. A lot of what makes comedy so rewarding is being able to release tension. The the three the the Hitler joke the guy in a car. I mean, all the jokes that you did in the Comedy Central uh, set is is like the goal to create and then release the tension. Um, do you consciously think about that? I mean, I think that's just uh, in kind of inherent to comedy. Is well, I mean, I I know. Steve Martin talks about how he would, what he did was he would create tension and then not release it. And then people would find their own ways to release it, which I kind of agree. Like though, like if you just keep talking then they'll like laugh at their own points, which I find interesting, but he also did like a lot of classic setups and punchlines. Like he, he did like bits. It's like, even when, when people like talk about Andy Kaufman and it's like, you look at Andy Kaufman and it's like, he did the three beats. He's like, I'll do a, a, th- a thank you very much. Thank you very much. And then do a full Elvis thing. It's like, that's rule of three. And then it's like a whole, you know, that to me is a joke. Um, 
So I, I, I don't know about like building tension and then releasing it because I just want it to be a constant barrage of just like boom, 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 like surprises. But I guess surprises, I guess there's tension just in the fact that there's a person on stage who's trying to make you laugh and then coming out of nowhere with something different than exactly what you expect is releasing it. But I don't, I don't really, I don't think about it in terms of tension and releasing tension as much as I know other people have. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe you guys have some insight that I, I, I don't, well, at least not, those terms. It's not what? bombing. It's just suspense. <laughs> That's all it is. I'm building tension. It's, gonna, yeah. it's like a thriller. It's like an erotic thriller. Right. I, I still have to put that one. I actually want to use that in stand-up, but I, but the problem is when you're bombing, they've already invested in the idea that you're not funny. So you can't use the clever stuff because it will also bomb regardless of how funny it is. You know That's what I mean? True too. In a lot too. of cases, at least. That's um, what's fun about stand-up is that sometimes, like if you're just like bombing, they hate you. Yeah, I love that. They really do. They hate your face, the things you're saying, <laughs> yeah. the things you've thought. They hate it all. Everything's half empty at that point instead of half full. <laughs> yeah. So it's like yeah, nothing's going to gonna work. <laughs> you have to really reshift gears in that way that I can't. I, mine's a lot more scripted, you know, like some mm-hmm. people I, I can see. And I heard like a story about like Tignataro would like did uh, went to somewhere. I heard this on Good Talk. I'm a big Anthony Jeselnik fan um, where he was like, Tara went to somewhere in Florida and was just like really bombing and then just like started like laughing and was like, don't, don't you think it's kind of funny that I flew here <clears throat> for you all to hate me this much? You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so she just like shifted gears completely and then that worked yeah. to get them back. But I that that gear shift is uh, is uh, rarer for me. I'm, it's it's hard it's hard for me to get out of a bomb. You can't laugh at that. What's funny about offensive jokes? Why do you think people laugh at at some of those jokes? The jokes where people are like, "Oh, I shouldn't be laughing, but I'm laughing." Like, what do you think elicits that um, that that kind of response? Like, why is that something that's that's so rewarding for comics to get? that you can tell the audience is uncomfortable laughing, but they're loving that they're laughing. You know what I'm talking about? I guess my thought is honestly, (laughs) which is funny that I come from this point is that I don't want to upset people. I want them all to like me. (laughs) I want everybody to like me, but I just have interest in the dark stuff. Like I just find it. That's just my more, my sense of humor. I mean, fucked up jokes are also pretty mainstream like i mean you know let's say deadpool but like let's say before that like seth rogan movies and stuff like they they did like you know dark jokes and and uh rated rated r jokes and that's just my that's just my sense of humor so i kind of go into it being like i want to make myself laugh but i just want everybody to like me so i'm not i don't i don't really know what draws people necessarily to the dark material because I, I guess some people like that feeling of the audience being uncomfortable i don't mind that if it's interesting and some people are like laughing hard but i just i wanted to be interesting i want to be sitting in the audience and be like if i was sitting there would i be having a good time um yeah i don't know what do, what do you guys think Stephen? what do you think my theory is and i think this is just how laughter works at a, like a subconscious level is like you, you laugh at things that are morally or logically incorrect. And that's your reaction. That's your sub, your primal ape, like, you know, like you laugh because you're like, Oh, that's not right. And that's, you're showing it. 
totally. physiological reaction to it um, from a psychological, your physiological reaction to a psychological phenomenon. And it's like, you just, if it's something that's offensive, sometimes it's because you're laughing at the expense of those people and you feel a certain way about them. But other times it's just because you're laughing at how absurd it is that someone mm-hmm. would say something like that. Right. Yeah. And that's what I, that's definitely what I want to go for. I remember yeah. having that that thought like a, a while ago, one of my first major comedy breakthrough thoughts was just like, and very simple, you know, I try to boil it down as simple as possible. Comedy is what's not. And I was like, everything falls under that umbrella. And it's a very basic one. So like that kind of helps it be, you know, applied to everything. Yeah. But I, I remember saying that and, and some people would get it and some people would be like, that doesn't make much sense. I'm like, yeah. Well, it, it, to me, it does. To me, it does. And it's exactly what you're saying of like that. Some Something's off here. Something's not right. Like even even something as simple as, simple as somebody slipping on a banana peel. It's like they're supposed to be walking, you know, just in a straight line, like not <laughs> falling down. And then now they're not. And then that's what's funny. It's the surprise. Yeah. It's the shock. It's comedy is what's not. Um, but I've, I've abandoned. I haven't thought about that much since then, I guess. Some people think that you're laughing at the fact that someone got hurt. When really you're laughing at that something that wasn't good happened and you were recognizing yeah. that. You're, yeah. You and know. that difference is something. Wow. That's yeah. That People difference. have a hard time with that. Like understanding that there's the duality to it. And sometimes I, it is the offensive laughing at someone's, you know, so I did too. I did too. I would be like, Oh, that joke is funny. Cause it's ironic. They don't actually think that. And then you kind of like listen to them actually talking like, Oh shit. I think that person thinks that like legitimately, <laughs> but I'm asshole. joking all the time. And then, yeah. so that's why other people are like, see me as weird. Cause they're like, I'm actually joking all the time. And they're like, no, but you, the people who say stuff like that, you know? So it's, just, yeah. it's, it's, it's distinguishing that difference that you hit. You, I feel like you hit the nail on the head with that. Rule number one is be funny. Like make sure they laugh, make sure they feel good. by the time you get off stage, mm-hmm. uh, what would your advice be to a comic who wants to write edgy material with that goal in mind? Um, Ooh, I mean, that's, that's a big one. There's a lot also, who the fuck am I? You know, like, I don't know. Uh, so, sometimes I, I, I start having these like big lofty like ideas about comedy and then I'm like, I don't fucking make, you know, I'm not, I'm no rich comedian. I'm no successful uh, name brand. So I don't know, but my rule of thumb has always been um, just make the people you like laugh and tr- and if you're going to be offending people because there's almost, you know, I personally want to make jokes where there is kind of the butt to the joke. You know, there is kind of some, I think a lot of jokes are kind of aimed at something. Some people are like, oh, I'm going to aim it at fucking Starbucks size, cu- cup sizes, you know, I'm going to aim it at, at Starbucks. It's like, okay, that works mine. I talk a little bit about more subjects where, all right, if I have to be careful where I'm aiming you know, whatever, whatever I'm shooting out, if you know what I mean, now, but I have to figure out where to aim it. And I, if it's, if it's going to be somebody, I, it's going to be people who I think are fucking like lame and, and, and shitty. And Bo Burnham talks about how he feels really bad about one of his songs. The, do do you know this one guys? No, uh, um, I'm not sure. It was, um, it was, uh, uh, like he did a Helen Keller love song. So it was like a bunch of deaf jokes, a bunch of blind jokes. And, you know, he was 16 when he was doing that mm-hmm. or 18 when he taped it. And, um, and, and so he talked about, I don't, I feel really bad about the thought of somebody taking those jokes and using them to make fun of a blind kid or a deaf kid. And, mm-hmm. and 
he's like, I just don't, I don't stand by that song. Some songs I stand by, even if they're like a little bit, you know, on the edgier side, but like, this is, that's one that he, he doesn't. And for me, I'm like, I feel kind of similarly in that I don't want to be giving ammo to the bullies. If I'm going to be giving ammo to somebody, I want it to be to like the, you know, the people who are want, want to take a little bit of the fight against the bullies, you know, like have a little line to say, if somebody says something like fucking mean, and then like, what if one of my jokes you can use against them? That's a possibility. Mm. Um, that's a, that's another big lofty goal, I guess, you know, it's like, how do I, how can I ensure one time I was talking with, uh, do you know, Marsha Belsky? And and Faria Khan, uh, two two hilarious comedians. But I was hanging out with them outside of Union Hall there in Brooklyn one time, <laughs> and we we're just like talking about stuff. And I was like, Ah, uh, yeah. The thing about my pedophile jokes, you know, I had like a couple of drinks. The thing about my pedophile jokes is that like nobody in the audience who's a pedophile will laugh at them. Mm-hmm. And then they just like both laughed at me, and they're like, "How do you know that?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's a good point. I don't know. I don't know. They they." how can I decide whether or not a, a somebody who's, who's fucked up will laugh at my fucked up jokes. But I think what I was trying to convey there was I, my goal is for them to not laugh. And for people who ha- maybe, you know, were victims or, or something, or at least at the very, you know, even boil it down to people who just don't agree with that. will like it. Mm. That's, that's a really, really good point. Um, who are you giving ammo to? Yeah, because my jokes are fucking. I'm a, I'm a sniper. I'm awesome. I'm a, I'm a killer. Who am I killing? Yeah, there there it is. You're like I don't know, and then you give this like awesome piece of of uh, perspective. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that that's really good. Cool. Well, uh, I I just looked at the time and I was like, holy shit! It doesn't feel like we've been talking for as long as we have. Oh um, shit! Yeah, yeah, I know, right? I've got I gotta I've got go shit too. to do. Um, so. <laughs> No, thank you for for jumping on this podcast. Thanks, Throw your plugs out there. I know we talked about uh, who wants two sixty nine, but uh, what who else wants do you want to two sixty nine coming back in April? And just uh, you know, follow me on Twitter at Martin Urbano and Instagram at Martin Urbano Junior for fucking updates and shit and yeah, <laughs> more more stuff. Stuff I'm very excited about, but I'm I'm still putting it all together in the month of March. I appreciate you helping us. I appreciate you helping us prove that uh, no matter if you are the one writing an offensive joke or if you are, uh, if you've heard an offensive joke, there's always a way to laugh at that. And I appreciate you jumping on the podcast and, and proving. I was it. doing. I was doing a bit this whole time. Yep. <laughs> this is my new special. <laughs> special thanks to Gold Knox Studio. You can find. Golden Ox Studio for all your podcasting needs at goldenoxstudio.com. Uh, hit up Jeremy. He is fantastic to work with, a professional. Uh, he makes podcasting easy. And uh, if, you're, if you've been kicking the tires on starting your own podcast, definitely give Golden Ox Studio a look. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod. Or like us on Facebook if you can't laugh at that and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.